0: Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm joined by my esteemed co-host of Kimberly and the Fox Valley Throws Club, Coach Match. Coach, how are we doing over there? You're looking lean.
1: Hey, I'm impressed with that uh, intro there. I'm just super excited because all the spring sports are are rocking and rolling in the state of Wisconsin, and uh, now we just got to get some of this snow and some of this cold air out of the way. So we can get out there in the fields and the diamonds and in the soccer fields and everywhere else.
0: I was going to say, did you guys fire it in the snow last week or did you guys go inside?
1: We did not. We just um, got 40 40 throwers this year. So got a lot of kids out. Our, Our track team's over 140 individuals. I was just talking to a coach from a different school in our conference. And they said they had 34 boys out on their whole team and I have 40 throwers. So. Great group of guys just love that, you know, things are getting back to normal, Brian and, and kids just want to get out there and do stuff. And that's why athletics is so special because it's not only good for the body, but it's so good for the brain.
0: Well, and I think, you know, another example of that is over at Edgewood, they have over a hundred kids out for track this year. Um, And I think one of the cool things and we talk about multi-sport athletes all the time, success in other sports you know, breeds and, and allows kids to want to be a part of, you know, maybe a sport that they haven't played before. And I think we talk about it all the time. If you're not playing, be- if you're not playing baseball or softball, if you're not skilled in those sports and, you know, maybe soccer, tennis, you know, some of the other sports are playing the spring lacrosse, go for track. There's no reason why you wouldn't. it's, it's like off season speed work off season
1: conditioning, right? Oh, for sure. And, you know, we tell our football athletes, hey, you want to get faster, you got to sprint you know, you want to jump higher, you got to jump. And then you, you have to be doing, you know, sport coaches out there. If you're running a track program or you are running a baseball program, understand that kids need to be in the weight room as well in season. So I think when I talk to a lot of coaches from different schools, a lot of times, you know, that track, if you're going to run a track program, run it right, make sure kids are in the weight room because otherwise you're going to lose kids. They're yep. not going to go off for track because a lot of kids want to make sure they're lifting a lot of weight, but they, the best exercise you can do as far as firing a a lot of muscles and for getting faster is sprinting.
0: Correct. Correct. Coach. How's your bracket?
1: Brackets and shambles right now. I'd all burn to win the whole thing. So um, that's every year that's going to happen to me, but it's just awesome watching these guys compete at that level.
0: Well, I, I, I'm a huge, and this is probably going to go against all of our Wisconsin fans and blah, blah, blah. I'm a huge Coach K fan, and I I believe that the only way to send him out was to to win a championship. So I've got Duke and Kansas left. I've already won our family pool um, because I think half our our family picked Wisconsin. Unfortunately, they're done. Um, But, yeah, so right now my bracket's in great shape, except, you know, for St. Peter's. I didn't pick them, but, yeah.
1: My daughter was just telling me she won her bracket at her workplace and nice. she was pretty jacked up about it. And I don't think she ever watches a basketball game. So that's a nice thing about the March madness and the brackets. You just never know what's going to happen.
0: And that's awesome. That's, that's what sports is all about. Uh, one more thing, Dino, before we get going here in this uh, sharpening your edge. Um, y- you know, we lost a couple people this week that, you know, you, you, you may have the ability to talk to one of them on the phone, um, but someone that's really first and foremost impacted our careers and Louis Simmons from Westside barbell passed away at 74 years old. Um, obviously a pioneer in strength and conditioning, whether you're a power lifter or not. Um, and if you don't believe that, then you probably shouldn't be in strength and conditioning or sports performance training um, with a wealth of knowledge that that man has shared um, through strength and conditioning for the last 40 to 50 years. Um spawned off, you know, people like Laura Phelps that we had on our on our podcast. You know, she has her own training business. Now, Elite FTS with Dave Tate uh has spawned off from the you know a lot of the things from Westside. So, you know, a guy that I never got a chance to meet, and it, it was something I was planning on, you know, trying to take a trip with my staff this summer or you know, this spring or fall to try and get to Westside Side to, to sit down with Louie and do that. And so we never got the opportunity to do that. And then, you know, from my vantage point, you talk about people that have impacted your life that you've never met. Um, I'm sure everybody, you know, that listens to our podcast knows what a huge Foo Fighters fan I am, have been for years. Um, And and music is such an important role in strength and conditioning, Dean. We know that. And it's really an important um, part of our lives because I think so many of us use music sometimes when we're stressed. We use music when we want to get excited. We use music... When we, you know, anything in our life, I know for me going through a divorce, a lot of the songs that that the Foo Fighters had put out, you know, like these days and in times like these, really impacted, you know, how I got up in the morning. Some days, you know, some days it's it's really hard to do that, and you know, one of the greatest comments, and I just tweeted this this morning, you know, Taylor Hawkins became an iconic drummer in a band that already had an iconic drummer, and so those two, you know, we lost this week and. I think it's a great lesson I'll let you share maybe a little bit on people that impact lives is as coaches, I want to kind of revert this back to coaches. Now We don't realize the impact we're, impact we're having on people's lives until maybe 10, 20 years later. And we don't realize the impact we're having on people's lives that maybe we haven't met that just maybe follow us on social or, or, or have kids that come train with us that we never meet the coach. And so, you know, my thought, just the message I want to send to all of our listeners is that if there's something that you want to do, or if there's a trip you want to go on, or if there's someone you want to meet, go do it. Don't wait. Don't, um, don't use money as as an excuse. Don't use time as an excuse, make time because we live life for experiences. Um, And so, you know, that the last couple of days have been pretty hard for me because those are two people that, you know, really have impacted my career um and my career and my life you know in certain certain aspects with with taylor you know and so um i just think the impact that we as coaches you know circling back we as coaches have on on people is more than we even can imagine and so just if you have any thoughts on that dean go ahead
1: yeah one thing that i think is very important you know i've always talked to the iconic coaches and and that are no longer with us but i, I had a, <clears throat> a great opportunity to learn from coach John Malin, who who was the strength coach before I was at Kimberly High School. And we developed a a really great relationship and it was so awesome to work together different generations to be able to help our Kimberly athletes. So I was very fortunate to have that experience and learn from all of his experience to to help all student athletes at our school. And then I just remember lots of phone calls with Wayne Steffenhagen. Uh, from DC Everest, who is just an unbelievable Hall of Fame football coach. Yep. And I just remember he would always be congratulating us on our state championships. And, and just every time I would see him or just a text, a phone call, it was, it just meant a lot to me because I always looked up to those and highly respected those individuals that that had such great reputations. And for somebody like that to always, you know, give me a text, give me a call, just meant the world to me as a younger coach because I think there was somebody that was in that situation and knows how much hard work that is, that is put into things. So that, that's very important. The other thing kind of going along with that, you know, I had that opportunity to talk to Louie and uh, talk about getting out of my comfort zone. I mentioned that in a previous podcast, but it was a situation where I just, you know, picked up the phone and called. And I figured, Hey, if he doesn't call back, he doesn't call back. And and I remember having several conversations with him on the phone and never met, never met him once you know, and I'm a high school coach and, and he's got this famous gym in Ohio and just talking shop. And I remember one time was probably about an hour and a half conversation. Right. And it was just, you know, just how much that meant to me at the time it gave me some confidence as a strength coach and I was doing some things correct. And I think a lot of times as a coach, you know, getting that reassurance that, Hey, you know what I'm doing? Yep. I'm seeing that it's working, but I'm also, he's justifying it. Somebody that's, done it a lot longer and has had much, much more success has, is saying, yeah, you know, you're on the right track here and, and you're doing great things for kids. And, and that meant uh, just a huge difference in my life. You talk about that in your life, but uh, coach Mangan, who teaches with me at Kimberly high school, we're going to go to the Georgia tech clinic. And we have Lewis Correll on the podcast. He's Georgia tech strength conditioning coach. And you know, there's going to be Inky Johnson there, and you know, we're going to fl- we're going to fly there and, and, and spend the weekend, and it's going to be awesome talking to Lewis. First time we met Lewis was when he was at University of Michigan, and he was an assistant coach there. And we, Coach Mangan and I, went to that clinic, and we were the only Wisconsin people there, so it was pretty pretty cool because obviously Wisconsin and Michigan, when you talk football, you know that's a, obviously a, a Big Ten rivalry. And uh, he gave us a ton of his time. We kept a relationship with emails and so on. And then obviously we got him on the podcast and, you know, we told him we were going to come down there. And he said, anytime and he is jacked up that we're coming down for the strength and leadership clinic. And we're really looking forward to that. So one of those things that's going to cost some money out of our pocket and, but we're going to, we're going to take advantage of it. And we're going to come back with a lot of good things for our student athletes.
0: And a lot of good stuff for our podcast listeners too.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, so we want to obviously, this is a sharpening your edge uh, episode that we're doing here. So we want to go over, you know, Coach Fahey. And for those of you that don't follow Coach Fahey, Michael Fahey, uh, he's at Burn the Ladders on on Instagram or at Westside Film uh, on Instagram, where you can follow the Westside versus the world, which is just, I mean, you know, unfortunate that we had him on, you know, right before Louis passed away, but an incredible uh, tribute to that will live on forever that, that we can all watch and see. And if you've never watched that movie or documentary, you should watch it. But I think, you know, outside of the documentary itself, I think one of the coolest things that, that Michael talked about Dean was when he was going to, to work with a high school football team, you know, he sat down with the high school football coach and he said, you know, they were talking about his methods and and things like that. And the football coach basically said, I don't know about strength and conditioning. That's not my area of expertise. It's yours. So you do what you need to do. I want the kids to get faster. I want them to get stronger. And I think it's such a great message for a lot of people that are either new to strength and conditioning or have been in the field for a long time. The bottom line is we're trying to get results with kids. We're trying to get them stronger. We're trying to get them faster, more explosive, more mobile, less injuries, And of course, you know, one of the main things that we know, Dean, from the weight room is build their confidence, okay? So, and I've seen this on Twitter and over the last few months where it's, you either clean or you don't clean. If you don't clean, you're wrong, which is garbage. If you can get kids to jump higher by just jumping, then keep doing what you're doing. If you can box squat and get them stronger, keep box squatting. If you need to free squat to get your kids stronger, free squat. Only you as as a strength coach know what you're dealing with with your athletes. And so I think that football coach's trust to say, Hey, Michael, you're going to look at these athletes and say, okay, this is what they need. Take your systems and apply them to my team. And let's, let's go and let's, let's lock arms here together and let's go and try and make these kids better.
1: You know, that was one of the, the biggest things that I think that really contributed to our success at Kimberly high school. And obviously with the 70 game winning streak and, Unfortunately, Coach Jones is going to step down, but he's he's going to go and move on to some different ventures as far as public speaking and, and leadership and everything like that. But well, I remember when Steve Jones took the head football coaching job, one of the things as, as a strength coach, is you're always in constant communication with that head football coach. And it, it's necessary for you to have a great football program because the weight room in football probably is, is the most important connection there is as as far as all the sports, in my opinion, they're all important. Don't get me wrong. But I think in the game of football, it's, it's so, so important. And, you know, Steve was really honest and said, Hey, this isn't my expertise. And I think that was the best thing that, you know, as a, sometimes as a sport coach, they want to think that they know it all and, you know, have kids think that they know it all in their coaching staff and, and saying, Hey, this is a weakness and that, Hey, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to learn from you and you can explain why you do what you do, but all in all, then I'm going to trust you and let you run with it because that football coach has got so much on their plate and he was in that situation. He just said, hey, you know what? I trust you. But he also, we had many conversations is why are we doing this? you know why is it important to do this at this time you know what what is our message to the kids as far as making sure our knowledge is is being heard and it's consistent and it's a consistent message with all the athletes and you know as a head coach you just can't say okay i'm just going to let you run with it i think it's it's a situation where you have to work together and you are constantly communicating and you're assessing everything on a daily basis and you are always trying to get your football program to evolve, just like your strength and conditioning program, Brian.
0: Dean, I think two of the points I want to touch on what you said. um, You know, the first thing is that like Steve was asking you questions. Yes. So so he wasn't just like, hey, go run it. He was like, okay, I want to learn more about this. And I think the best relationships that are formed with coaches, no matter what sport and the weight room are, When strength coaches want to understand why coaches are doing things at practice, and then when coaches want to understand why strength coaches are doing stuff in the weight room and the open conversations that happen, and strength coaches that go and look for different things, you know, whether it's from a a sport perspective that they're doing in practice, and then when head coaches go and look at, you know, oh, what's this conjugate method? I want to read up a little bit about it. And you're only Adding tools to your personal toolbox when you do that. The second part that I really got out of that comment, Dean, is that neither of you were defensive. Neither of you were defensive. So, a lot of times, strength coaches, we get in this mindset. Head coach comes down and says, Hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And all of a sudden, our guards go up and like, Oh, he's questioning my methods. Most of the time, they probably just want to understand, Hey, these are my kids. These are my football kids. You know, explain to me you know, the, the program design, the philosophy, so I can understand it. And so then, like you said, we can have a common language with the kids. Nothing is worse, coaches, than when your strength coach is saying one thing and your head football coach or your head head coach of anything is saying something different, because then you have kids that are confused. And once you have kids that are confused, now it's like, well, what's the path of least resistance? Okay, maybe one person is saying, well, we need to recover. One person say, you know, we're going to squat heavy wait a minute. Like I'm tired. I, you know, and so I think a lot of times coaches, those open lines of communication, like you said, are so important. You can't be defensive and you have to broaden your knowledge. You have to open your mind. This isn't the 1980s anymore. Okay. This isn't the 1990s. This is not even the two thousands anymore. You know, we're in 2022 things evolve. And so you have to stay up with the times and the coaches that continue to evolve are the ones that continue to have success.
1: And Brian, the same thing, just to, as a, from a football standpoint, we're, we're constantly adding, taking out things, you know, evolving all the time. And the same thing with strength and conditioning. I look back just in what we did two years ago, is totally different than what we do now. I mean, the base, the base stuff is there. We, we're going to, we're going to, the template's kind of there, but we're going to switch things up and we're going to change stuff up. And just like when we go to the Georgia tech strength, in leadership clinic, we're going to pick some stuff up there. And, you know, we're going to dabble into some of that Correct. because the, the lab is the weight room or the lab is the, the court, the field, the diamond. And you're certainly if these things have worked for somebody and you feel it's appropriate in your program, you'd be crazy not to try some things that might give you a competitive advantage.
0: And I think, you know, the other word you brought up was trust, right? He, he said he trusted you and trust is hard to gain trust is hard to maintain because you have to, you have to live by your word. And I think, you know, the second part of what we, we picked out from, from Michael was that he had to get Louie to trust him to make that documentary. And, you know, that documentary digs really deep into a lot of things uh, about West side barbell and about powerlifting in general and, you know, developing trust in people It it all comes back to, you know, one of our pillars, Dean, is consistency. Are you consistently doing what you say you're going to do? You know, are you consistently that person that people can count on? And I think from Michael's perspective, when he's making a documentary about the world's strongest gym with guys that were pretty high intense um, and a guy that, you know, has built this gym and this legacy You know, and like one of the cool things, Dean, is what we looked at is that he didn't really know he was building a legacy. He just thought he was making guys really strong and going from this. Well, all of a sudden now you got videos and now you got articles and now you have podcasts and what Westside Barbell became without Louis even really knowing that he was doing it. And so he's now at this point where he's got this established established gym and and these lifters, you know, world record holders and stuff like that. You're just going to let somebody come in and tell the story of 30 to 40 years of your life, that's a that's a pretty big ask, in my opinion.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that the whole trust factor, you know, as an athlete, you have to trust your teammates. And as coach, you have to trust your coaching staff. And we see this all the time, right? Coach gets a job somewhere else, half the staff goes with that coach. Why is that? Because you work with these people, you know what they're going to bring to the table, and you trust them. So you're, you're going to go ahead and, and, and go with that. So I think if you're a young coach, the biggest thing you have to understand, say maybe you're a, an intern, whether it's at Sports Advantage or the University of Alabama, it doesn't matter. You have to make sure that, you know, you're a job interview. you're on a job interview every day, and you have to make sure you're working your tail off and you're proven that you are an asset to whatever organization that you're working for and that you are constantly trying to get better. And that is kind of the situation. So when other people from that staff get a job or they get promoted, they're going to remember, yeah, you were the you were the low person on the totem pole, but you were busting your tail. I remember Tim Polisic back in our Polisic was saying on on the podcast, he was saying, Hey, I was doing anything. Right. And, and for very low money and just getting the experience, but Somehow somebody saw what kind of work ethic that he put into what he was doing. And that was his opportunity to get started as a football coach. And it just took off from there. And then he just, he kept that passion for the game of football and and to learn in that growth mindset. And now look at, he's an offensive coordinator.
0: When I think, you know, in building trust, like you, you talked about with interns and things like that as an intern, and this is really hard if you're, if you're, 22, 23 years old, you have to have a vision for where you want to go. And that vision, that burn, that why will will get you through those hard days. I have a a kid that trained at Sports Advantage, um, you know, since he was 10. And he goes to University of Michigan, and he's an intern for Coach Herbs as a freshman. Okay. His plan is to do that for four years. Okay. And we know interns don't make any money. So here's a college kid, um, who is taking his vision, putting it into play, understanding that when he walks out of the door, he's got four years of division one college experience. Hopefully, you know, if everything goes as planned, um, and he's building trust with, you know, arguably one of the most renowned strength coaches in the country, you know, as he works for him, as he, as he. He grinds, we know what an intern, I know what an intern life is in in college football. Okay, as a strength and conditioning coach. And so as you build trust, you also must maintain your vision of what you're doing because it's really hard as you're going through things. And probably was really hard for Michael as he went through this this process of making a documentary. He's, you know, he's got to go sit with Greg Panora, who, you know, what he said to Louis when he walked out of the gym. um, If you have never watched the documentary, you should watch it because it's pretty intense. But he had to sit down with him and talk to him about life at Westside, you know. Or a guy like Matt Wedding that you know Matt Wedding put put a post up about Louis the other day that they never reconciled, you know. And so having the trust of someone, you know, going back to the the, the podcast, having trust of someone knowing that you're going to go interview people that don't like him, <laughs> that that don't like him, that that got kicked out of his gym. I mean, the amount of trust you you've had to build up. To get to that point must have been astronomical. And so, as we revert it back to interns, athletes, coaches, you don't realize until you're the, the leader or the head guy or the owner the pressure and the thoughts that are going through their head every single day. You know, I know that my staff probably doesn't understand some of the things I think about on a daily basis, which is fine. You know, their job is to do their job in their area. My job is to make sure they're doing their job, but also take care of the other things that need to be taken care of. And so sometimes we, we need to get out of our little hole and not just think about me, but just think about all the other things that are going on as well as, you know, hey, what is the person that's observing me or contracting me to do this for? You know, how am I continuing to build trust with this person?
1: I think too many times, Brian, even in a teaching world and a coaching world is everybody's trying to boost their resume, but when they're there and they're actually doing the, the experience part of it, the hands-on part of it, then a lot of times they just want to do the minimal and then get out right? and they want to leave. If you're in that opportunity and you're, and you're in a weight room or you're doing an internship, That's your opportunity to to go up and beyond what you are supposed to be doing in order to impress people and show that you're going to bring a lot of value to whatever the organization, the staff, the business, whatever that is, that you're going to make a valuable asset to that. And I think sometimes, you know, young teachers, they'll kind of help out coach and all of a sudden, boom, they can't wait to get out of there and go home. And, you know, that's not setting yourself apart from the rest of the people that are going to be applying for a job or trying to get that opportunity to advance.
0: Well, Dean, I'm going to use this, this quote, you know, and, and, a lot of times as a young coach, you know, you think like you're asking the right question when you ask this, but in all reality, you're telling us that you're ready to leave. And the question is this, Hey, do you need anything else? Okay, if you've been around long enough, you know what needs to be done before you leave. You know what I mean? You know that the windows need to get sprayed down. You know that the dumbbells need to get reset. You know that the bands need to get put away. You know that the bathrooms need to be cleaned. You know that all these things need to get done before you leave. So anytime someone asks me, hey, do you need anything else? My answer is no. I don't. Because that's telling me that you're ready to leave. Or that you have something else that's on your mind. And so when when that question gets and a lot of you know young coaches just listen to this okay it's just a complete mindset the first day you're in there get a sense for what needs to be done before you take off for the day it's pretty simple get your job done and then leave you know once the kids are gone and things like that if you're if you're a respectable leader you'll see that the person got their job done and that they took off but when you come to me you know, right as the last kid walks out of the weight room and you say, need anything else? Uh, my answer is always going to be no, unless it's something I don't feel like doing. Because it, it, there's some days where I'm just like, I'll do it. You know, if, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. I'll handle that. And I'll, I'll check that off as to whether or not I can trust you when I'm not at the gym. So if I'm gone or if your, your boss is gone, you know, and you've asked me numerous times, hey, do you need anything else? Do you need anything else? Do you think in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm gone for a week. Are the bathrooms going to get cleaned? Is the gym going to get reset or is it just going to be a mess? Um, are you going to be off your phone, you know, while kids are training? So do you think, you know, going back to Michael that he ever asked Louis Simmons, Hey, do you need anything else before I start, before I do this? No, he didn't. So anyways, Dean coach or uh, Brett Suter, Brent Suter, right? Awesome. Uh-huh baseball's around the corner, um, fired up. We'll get the snow off the ground. Um, and we're going to get into baseball, you know, and one of the best messages he gave us was talking about being resilient and, you know, you have to be resilient and baseball is the ultimate sport, in my opinion, about, you know, staying level and being, being resilient because you're going to fail. You're going to fail. And it, it's one of the best teachers of lessons for athletes And I think, you know, as, as we go through sports, that's one of the things, unfortunately, Dean, that parents don't let their kids do, you know, they don't let them fail. You have to let them fail. They're going to fail in life. And if you constantly protect them from handling adversity, because if you lose a little league game, when you're eight, you know, 10 minutes later like they're not going to be worried about that. They're worried about if we're going to Culver's or if we're going to Pizza Hut or if we're going home to watch a movie, you know, which is what they should be doing after a game. You know, they're not worried about, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it to the big leagues because I struck out, you know, in my T-ball game.
1: Yeah. Too many times, Brian, you know, I think parents are just trying to, they don't want their kid to be in that uncomfortable situation. Anytime there's a hardship something negative happens. They're always trying to bail them out too quick. And I think it's very important for kids to understand. Sometimes you just got to figure things out, you know, talk about the internship. And, you know, we have students that come down and volunteer and help in our physical education department and and they help with the weight room. And a lot of times just, you know, as an individual and you say, you know, give that individual a task and we'll get something completed. And you don't want to be always telling them and holding their hand on how to do something. I think the best people that come and help out and volunteer will just figure out how to get the job done without being that burden of, hey, you have to show me exactly what to do, like directions of putting something together. They will just figure it out. For example, making maybe making some copies. Hey, can you go make 200 copies? Well, you know, I've never done that. Well, you know what, you go down to the copy machine, you find somebody around there that knows how to do it. And there's so many good people out there that will help you make the copies, and you just figure it out on your own. And I think that's what kids got to understand. When you fail, you have to learn from that failure, and then take that bad experience or that failure and then turn it into something extremely positive. And I think that's one of the reasons why we love the weight room so much, because you are going to fail in there. There's going to be opportunities or situations, I should say, where you're not going to be able to get the weight up that day and you'll learn from it. And then say, well, my technique was bad on that rep coach. I hear that all the time. You know, the bar got away from me on that one and they'll just regroup, take a two, three minute break, come back. And then they get it. And they there's, they've just learned from it on their own. They figured it out and it made them so much better. So, Parents don't bail them out right away. Understand that progress isn't a linear line; that you're going to have ups and downs, like the roller coaster syndrome, and not every day is going to be a great day. I think a lot of this younger generation they just think every day is going to be a great day. Brian, there's days I know when you call me, oh boy, you know it was a tough day. You had to put out a lot of fires, yep, and that it's just part of the situation. And you, you, maybe you're working till nine o'clock at night one time just because a lot of things we're happening. And you know what, it has to get done. And you take that time and you get it done. You're putting on Instagram a lot of times you're getting up in the morning and boy, that day was a longer day. Cause there was this many other things. You just don't quit and say, well, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to fix this problem or we're not going to make our business better, our gym better. You find a way to get it done to help your athletes and, and everybody that works for you be in a better situation.
0: And I think Dean, one of the things you, you brought up there is having conversations, you know, um, I know this, we had this conversation with our kids the other day is, you know, we go through the workout, you know, the different things they need to get accomplished. And we I've gotten to the point now where everybody's there. I go through step-by-step, step, this is what needs to get accomplished. And then we'll come back and we'll revisit the next thing. Any questions, right? And, and so I explain it once and I go through it very thoroughly. And the first thing you see with, a you know, some of the kids that are kind of drifting off is they walk away and they ask their buddy. No, 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 no. Ask, ask, ask the coach, you know, because we're trusting you to get your tasks done, okay, in the the order that we get it done. And like you said, with the kid going down to get the copy, hey, you know, go down to the office and make a copy. And one of the things that in our day and age has changed, Dean, so much from when you and I grew up is typically when kids need to figure stuff out, what do they do? They text their buddy, they Snapchat, you know, if they want to go hang out with somebody, they don't have a conversation. So you're sending someone down to the copy room with someone they've never met. And kids don't today understand just to look to, you know, maybe a lady or or a guy that's working in the office. Hey, coach Manchie sent me down to make copies. Where can I do that? Oh, like, what are they going to say? Figure it out? No, they're going to be like, Hey, go over here to do it. You know? And so, like if you don't know athletes or coaches, if you don't know, ask, ask for help. But then when you ask for help, you got to, you got to retain that. That's the thing I think we're saying here. You got to retain that. It's like failure. Why did I fail? Why did I not get that task done? Okay. here are some of the things I did. I put it off too long. Um, My technique was bad in the weight room. Um, I did this, 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 whatever situation. Okay. I can't ever let that happen again you know, failure are lessons that we need to learn from, you know, especially as young athletes. Okay. It's a lesson learned earlier in life. And so I think you have, you have to be okay with letting your young kids, you know, experience that because it becomes harder and harder and harder in life to handle those situations. And when they get, you know, into the real world, you know, that could be a difference between them keeping their job or losing their job.
1: You know, one thing Brent said that was really good is, you know, he's had some, outings there when he when he was pitching performances that were were very bad and you know even mentioned that there were situations there were uh, there was a bad situation as far as you know his performance level and it wasn't up to his standard but that was fuel for the fire for him to continually work to make sure that those mistakes didn't happen and he learned from those mistakes and you know that was one of his big things when he said the difference between how some guys make it in the major leagues and some don't, some will let that failure, those bad experiences and they will just, they can't brush it off. They can't learn from it. It it just, it just crushes them mentally in his situation. He said, I I just got to take it. That's part of the game. And I'm just going to roll with it and I'm going to continually get better. And his injury, you know, Tommy John, like he said, most baseball players have had it. He talked to other guys that had it. You know, how did you deal with it? And then he started to really develop his mental game, which we know baseball is so much mental. And so he used his injury, did his rehab, talked to people on ways that he could deal with it from a mental standpoint and not playing the game that he loves. But yet then he took a weakness, his mental game and worked on that. He, He said he read books and just did a lot of mental training and then when he got healthy again, he was a better ball player.
0: And I think it's, as, as pro athletes, you know, going into our last topic kind of goes back to what we started the podcast on Dean is that as, as that pro athletes and just athletes in general, the impact you make on other people's lives, you know um, you know, pro athletes obviously, you know, are at the highest level and, you know, people see them on TV and, you know, a lot of pro athletes give of their time that, to to help different causes that they believe in. Um, And the the unfortunate thing that I think is actually kind of cool is a lot of these things go unnoticed. You know, a lot of these guys that, you know, you watch on a daily basis, you know, and yell at your TV about, you know, with, with different pro athletes, they're in their communities, making their communities better. And most of them don't want credit for it. They just want to do it. You know, they want to give of their time. They want to give of their finances to help, you know, people that don't have that, you know, and it could be anything from cancer research to underprivileged kids to anything in between, Dean. And I think we that, that don't live in that lifestyle have to step back and realize that most of these guys and ladies um, are not only really great athletes, but they're actually really good people, too. And they're really doing a lot of things for their communities that um, that go unnoticed. And I think you got to take a step back sometimes to, to really understand that a lot of these guys and ladies are, are giving back to their communities and they really are impacting and making their communities better.
1: Brian, the big thing I always tell our athletes and I know everybody looks up to those pro athletes and every high school kid wants to be a pro athlete at one time, if they really love their sport, you know, that's that dream but I tell our athletes that, you know, I saw a statistic out there that six percent of athletes, actually high school athletes, actually get an opportunity to perform at any level at the college level. For example, Division three, Division two, Division one, NAIA, whatever. There, you are in the top six percent of all high school student athletes. So what I always mention to our kids is right now. For, for that 94% of you, this is your professional career. This is it. You're going to develop relationships that are going to last forever. You are going to have younger brothers, sisters, community members, people that go to the same school as you, teammates that are looking up to you right now. We see how important that is. Our basketball program does a thing where after one of the games, you know, the kids sign autographs for the younger kids that come to the games. And it's just a huge, huge thing for the younger kids to go up to that high school kid. I remember when I was in middle school, I just looked up to those high school athletes like they were professional athletes. And I always remember that. And I always make sure I tell our high school athletes that. Win, lose, you know, how are you going to represent yourself, your family name, your program, your school, your community in a positive way?
0: And I see that in my gym too, Dean, I, I can't tell you the number of high school kids, you know, whether we're going through a warm up or a speed progression or whatever. And, and, and there's fourth and fifth graders next to them and, you know, they're, they're coaching them, they're helping them, you know, they're giving them five, you know, and the kids are, you know, they're looking up to them. Like you said, like, in awe all of them, you know, kids that are going to Iowa or Wisconsin or, you know, wherever they're whitewater, or wherever they're going to college, um, that they, they don't look at themselves as as better. They understand they were in those kids situation and they looked up to somebody, too. And so I think as athletes, no matter what level you're at, somebody's somebody's watching you and somebody wants to emulate you. And and I think that's a that's a huge responsibility to take on. You know, being being an athlete's a responsibility. You have you have a, a responsibility, you know, to your team, to your coaches, but also to, to the younger kids in your community. Um, to be a good role model and be someone that they can look at and say, man, when I, you know, when I get to high school, I want to play quarterback at, at Kimberly high school or at some Prairie or at a key or, or wherever it is because so-and-so um, left a good impression on me.
1: Yes. I've been very fortunate, Brian, somebody was just talking to another coach and he asked about, you know, how do you coach 40 throwers? And I said, well, it's, it's very important in that you have upperclassmen in a culture of our throws program that helped the younger kids out. And not only that is we'll have kids that come back that were in college or now that are in the community and they want to volunteer their time and they want to give back to the program. And, And that's what really makes athletics so special in my mind is I was in a situation this year where we were a little short. I wanted to try to get another coach. And I was lucky enough to have Connor McCormick who played, and it was a part of our 70 game winning streak. And he was a football player, went to Minnesota state. He just got a job back in the community. And I gave him a call and he said, coach, if, if you need help, hey, I, I get done with work at three o'clock, I'll be more than happy to, to help out. Don't worry about nothing. I'll just volunteer, do it for free and just give back to the program that, that helped me become the person that I am today. And th- that's just huge. That's just one of those reasons why we coach, we do what we do, Brian. And obviously Connor just is, is doing so much to give back to Kimberly's student athletes, but he understands how that made it such a positive impact on his life as well.
0: Well, Dino, I, I think, you know, we, we've hit on the topics we wanna to hit on. You know, one thing I wanted to put out there for, for all of our high school football coaches, um, coming up this Friday, uh, April 1st, I'll be speaking at the WFCA clinic. I'm speaking at 1050. I know Dean and and Mango will be there, uh, as well as uh, our directors will be there as well. So it's an opportunity, coaches. uh, You want to learn about the conjugate method, how we utilize it for athletes. But it's also an opportunity to maybe talk to some of our coaches as well, uh, ask questions. We're, you know, like I said, we're always an open book. And, you know, really want to, we're the only strength and conditioning group um, that are speaking at the clinic. So, you know, you can go, we've talked about it so many times. There's only so many ways to learn how to run power. There's only so many ways to run your four three. Um, but you want to get an edge on your competition, the weight room and your sports performance is is how you get it. So, uh, we're really looking forward to being there. You'll
1: be there, right? Absolutely. Brian, looking forward to it. We'll be heading down Friday morning at coach Manget and myself, and we're definitely going to be talking to your staff because there's a lot of questions I want to get answered and, and we can bring back and help our program out.
0: Don't forget your clicker. I need your clicker for sure. I'm not big time like you. I usually hit enter, but I'm gonna use that clicker that you gave me. Consider that it done. <laughs> um, so that's gonna wrap it up. Dino, you got anything for the Fox Valley throwers coming up this summer? You got you got a fire. We'll start.
1: Summer. We'll start sessions in June, so we're really looking forward to that. And uh, all those throwers out there, all spring athletes, good luck. Make sure you're having fun and you're working hard and you're trying to improve your best every day, getting better every day.
0: Keep watering it. Keep watering it. Well, that's going to end this episode of sharpening your edge. Remember, um, you know, build trust. I think that's one of the most important topics we talked about, you know, whether it's with your staff, with your athletes, things like that. It's very important to build trust um in your weight room and with your with your staff. Be resilient. Okay, you're going to fail like you said, you know, one day at a time in the spring here. You know, and as you go through the summer, you're going to have good days and bad days. You got to be resilient and then Athlete, just remember, and, and, you know, everybody, remember, people are going to make an impact on you, so then it's your job as well to make impacts on, on people that are following you, whether you're an athlete, whether you're, you know, a banker, whatever it is, um, keep trying to make an impact, make the world a better place, and that's going to wrap it up here. We will catch you next time. Shop it!